In the last lesson, we introduced our series on the deeper meaning of Shemitah by pointing out that in the Torah's most, most lengthy description of the sabbatical year, in Parshat Bahar, there is no reference to the seventh year of Shemitah, but rather it is referred to as Shabbat, Shabbat Haaretz, the Sabbath of the land. Uncovering the elements of Shabbat in Shemitah will actually greatly help us appreciate the year that is to come upon us. In our timeline of events, one of the most important elements of Shemitah is actually prior to the onset of Shemitah, and also explains why we will be discussing Shemitah now, prior to its arrival. As background, let's deal with one of the more well-known questions regarding the Torah's lengthy description of Shemitah in Parsha Bahar. The Parsha indicates that Hashem spoke to Moshe Bahar Sinai Lemor in Har Sinai, and then goes on to discuss the various mitzvot of Shabbat Ha'aretz of Shemitah. And Rashi brings down from the Midrash the famous questions that dealt that is dealt with, with just about by just about every commentator. Ma inyan Shemitah etzel Har Sinai? What is the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? After all, the rest of part Sefer Vayikra is taught ba'ol moed. It is only at the end, in Parsha Bahar and continuing into Parsha B'chukotai, that we're told that these halachot were taught at Har Sinai. Why? Why the mention now? And this question leads to many answers, a number of which we'll deal with in ensuing shiur. However, in this shiur, as we introduce the concept of the preparations necessary for Shemitah, I think we have to rephrase the question of the Medrash of Rashi, and with that, we'll have a very simple answer. Rashi asks, Ma inyan Shemitah etzel Har Sinai? What is the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? That is a very good question, although there are very good answers. However, in truth, Shemitah is not mentioned at Har Sinai. As we pointed out, Parshat Pahai does not discuss Shemitah, but rather it discusses Shabbat Ha'aretz. The question really should be formulated. Ma inyan Shabbat Haaretz Eitzel Har Sinai. What is the connection between Shabbat Haaretz and Har Sinai? And with that, I think there is a very basic connection. As we all know, Shabbat comes every seven days. The Gemara, in fact, in Beitzah Daftet Zayin and elsewhere, tells us that Shabbat is different than Yom Tovim, than the festivals. Shabbat, we make the bracha, Mikadesh HaShabbat, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who sanctifies the Shabbat. As opposed to Yom Tovim, where we make the bracha, Mikadesh Yisrael Vahazmanim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who sanctifies Yisrael, the Jewish people, Vahazmanim, and thereby sanctifies the festivals. The Gemara explains, What's the distinction in the bracha? Why do we mention on Shabbat only the sanctity of Shabbat as opposed to Yom Tovim where we first mention the sanctity of the Jewish people? Says the Gemara, because Shabbos is Kfiyah the Kaima. Shabbos is something that happens every seven days. Whether we're ready or not, Shabbos waits for no one. A person... <coughs> recognizes that the Kedush of Shabbos is built into the fabric of creation. Every seven days there will be Shabbos. Yom and Tovim are different. Yom and Tovim are based upon the lunar cycle. HaChodesh Hazel Lachem Rosh Chodoshim Rishon Hu Lachem Lechodshe 
The first mitzvah given to the Jewish people as a people in Parshat Bo is the mitzvah of sanctifying the new month. Is the mitzvah of sanctifying the months of time. The Yom Tovim are built into the monthly schedule. And because they're built into the monthly schedule, therefore, they require the Kedusha invested in the Jewish people of sanctifying the months in order for the Kedusha to take effect on the Yom Tovim. And therefore the bracha of Shabbos recognizes Shabbos as being a day sanctified by God. All the way at the dawn of creation, we describe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mevarech the seventh day, and He sanctified it. The seventh day is sanctified by virtue of God's command from the beginning of time. However, the festivals, their Kedusha only comes from man. It comes from the power invested in the Jewish people to be Mekadesh Hazmanim. And therefore the bracha reflects Mekadesh Yisrael Vahazmanim. With this in mind, we would think that Shabbos is something which comes automatically every seven days. We should look on our calendar exactly when that seventh day begins, exactly when that seventh day ends, what time on Friday night is sunset, what time on Saturday night do the stars come out, and that should be Shabbos. However, Shabbos involves something else. The Gemara points out that Shabbos, unlike Yom Tovim, does not allow for any preparation of food on the day itself. If one wants to have a Shabbos, if one wants to experience this palace in time, so a person has to prepare in advance. The essence of Shabbos is not only the mitzvah itself, but the mitzvah of kavod Shabbat, the mitzvah of preparing in advance. This too is the essence of Har Sinai as well. Har Sinai is something which the Jewish people experienced, that cataclysmic event on Vav Sivan or Zion Sivan, a difference of opinion in the Gemara. But suffice to say that the experience did not happen overnight. Although the Jewish people left Egypt on the 15th of the month of Nisan, it was only 50 days later that they received the Torah on Har Sinai. Why is that? Was it not apparent right from the beginning that the purpose of Yitziat Mitzrayim was to allow for the acceptance of the Torah on Har Sinai? After all, Moshe Rabbeinu was told at the Snebo Erba'esh, at the burning bush, when he was first appointed to be the Redeemer of the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu was told, Ta'avdun et Elohim that there will come a time where the purpose of your being sent is to have a spiritual event on Har Sinai, a day where vegam becha ya'aminu la'olam, a day where there will be eternal belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu as God and Moshe Rabbeinu as God's messenger. And therefore one would expect that immediately after Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim they would immediately go in order to accept the Torah on Har Sinai. But that's not what happens. In fact, three days after the Kriyat Yamsuf, three days after the experience at the sea, the Jewish people are thirsty. The water is bitter. Chazal tell us that this bitter water was not merely bitter physical water. But the Jewish people were bitter because they lacked meaning in their life. 
the Jewish people were looking for some purpose. And therefore, Visham sam lo chokum mishpat visham niso. Moshe Rabbeinu, as the messenger of God, taught the Jewish people basic mitzvot to prepare them, says Ramban, for Har Sinai, to get them used to the concept of what mitzvot are all about. And at that point, there was a takana made that you cannot go three days without Torah, public Torah reading. There was an understanding that the Jewish people needed meaning to their lives. They had left Egypt, they had left servitude, but they had yet to find the meaning of Ein Lecha Ben Chorin Elamisha Oseik Torah. They had yet to find the meaning of being involved in Torah, being truly free and being able to control one's destiny in life. But if so, if the giving of the Torah was so central to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and if the giving of the Torah was so necessary in the eyes of the Jews immediately after they Kriyas Yamsuf, why was the Torah not given? Why do we need an entire period of Sefirah HaOmen, of counting up to get to the 50th day in order for the Torah to be given? The answer is seemingly very related to just as Shabbat, though rooted in the seven days of creation, and therefore will necessarily come into existence every seventh day, in order for Shabbos to be what it's meant to be, it requires preparation. Our Sinai, as much as the Jewish people were waiting for it upon the Exodus, it needed to be prepared. In fact, the Mishnah tells us at the beginning of the Sefer Yuma that at Kohen Gadol, separates for seven days before he performs the avoda, the special service of Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur in the base of the What's the source? The Gemara in Yuma provides two possible sources. One source is the separation of Moshe Rabbeinu and Harsina. Amr says the Gemara in Yuma daf on the base. Elamar mi yalifla misina the Pasuk says that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu rested His presence on Har Sinai, He first had His special cloud, the cloud of glory, surround Har Sinai for six days. And it was only on the seventh day that He spoke to Moshe Rabbein. The Gemara learns from here the need for spiritual preparation. Har Sinai had to be prepared. The Psukim described that Moshe Rabbeinu told the people that for three days they should separate from their spouses. The people had to prepare for Mamad Har Sinai. Shloshit Yimei Hadbal. 49 days of counting up in order to get to Har Sinai. Har Sinai was a tremendous spiritual transformation of the Jewish people. But for that, it required preparation. Shabbos is our weekly period of rejuvenation, our palace in time. It's something which our whole week revolves around. But in order for Shabbos to be able to serve that purpose, we require very simply preparation. Mi shetarach be'erev Shabbos, hu yochel Shabbos. Only the individual who prepares on Erev Shabbos, it is only that individual who will be able to experience Shabbos. With that in mind, the question reformulated of why Parsha Pahar is the Parsha chosen 
in order to teach the mitzvot of Shemitah. Why is Shemitah taught the Har Sinai? As we indicated, Shemitah is not taught in Har Sinai. Shabbat Haaretz is taught in Har Sinai. Shabbat Haaretz, which is the description the Torah gives to the sabbatical year in Parshat Bahar, is mentioned next to Har Sinai. And if we'd reformulate the question, Ma inyan Shabbat Haaretz etzel Har Sinai? Why is Shabbat Haaretz mentioned next to Har Sinai? Because just as the weekly Shabbat requires preparation for the spiritual experience, just as Har Sinai was the fundamental model that Kedusha comes only to one who prepares adequately in advance, so then the same is true by Shabbat Haaretz. The same way in which the weekly Shabbat requires preparation, Shabbat Haaretz requires spiritual preparedness in order to be ready for that experience. What we hope to do in these classes is to be able to provide a little bit of that outlook for that spiritual preparation. With this in mind, let's take a look at the preparatory steps for the Shemitah year. The impact of Shemitah's imminent arrival is felt through a series of halachot that require action or inaction already in the sixth year, the year prior to the onset of Shemitah. In fact, the source of the law we're about to discuss is a verse that at first glance is only referring to Shabbat and not to Shemitah at all. As background, the Torah explicitly references the halachot of the Shemitah year three times in the Torah and mentions it in another two places. The first place it's mentioned explicitly is in Parshat Mishpatim. By the first Brit, the first covenant, where the Torah is given, the Luchot Rishonot, the first set of tablets, and it's there that Shemitah is mentioned alongside Shabbat and alongside a host of other mitzvot. Later, at the end of Sefer Vayikra, the Parsha that we have mentioned, Parsha Bahar, the lengthiest description of Shemitah in the Torah, is essentially a description of Shabbat Haaretz, the special Shabbat atmosphere of the day. Parshat Re'eh, in the context of the mitzvot staka and the various mitzvot of charity, there's a discussion of Shemitat Ksafim, the cancellation of debts, which is done at the closing, at the closing of the Shemitah year and beginning of the eighth year. Additionally, Shemitah is mentioned in the Torah in two other contexts. In Parshat Bechukotai, as a description of the various curses that will befall the Jewish people from not fulfilling the will of God, among them, will allow for az at At that point, the Shabbatot Ha'aretz, the Shemitah years that were not properly performed, will unfortunately have to be performed in Galut, when nothing will grow because there are no Jews to plant the land. And the final mention is one of the final mitzvahs of the Torah. Parsha Vayelech speaks about the mitzvah of Hakel, of gathering in all the Jewish people to hear the Torah being read by the king, by the Beit HaMikdash, that mitzvah is discussed and mentioned that is at the end of the Shemitah year. With this in mind, if we were wanted to start speaking about Shemitah and the way it's expressed in the Torah, chronologically we would have to start with Parshat Mishpatim. After all, Parshat Mishpatim is the Parsha that first mentioned Shemitah in the Torah. However, we're going to start our discussion with another Parsha a Parsha that we have not yet mentioned. And the reason we haven't mentioned it is because, as noted before, Shemitah's mention in this context is not explicit at all. At first glance, this is a Pasuk referring only to Shabbat. 
But for some reason, Rabbi Akiva and the Tana, the unattributed Mishnah in Masechet Shvi, understand that this Pasuk is referring to the Shemitah year, and even more so, is referring to the Halachot of the year prior to the Shemitah year, and the year after the Shemitah year. We're going to start a discussion with this, because although chronologically in the Torah, it is not, it is not first, but chronologically in practice, this is a mitzvah related to the sixth year. So let's take a look. In Shemot Perek Lamed Dalit, Pasuk Chafalef, there's a Pasuk which states very simply, Sheshet Yamim Tavot, Uvayom HaShvi'i Tishpot, Becharish Uvekatsir Tishpot. At first glance, this Pasuk is clearly referring to Shabbat. Sheshet Yamim Tavot, for seven, for six days, you shall work. Uvayom HaShvi'i Tishpot, and on the seventh day you shall rest. And then there's an additional three words. Becharish uvekatsir tishpot. At first glance, this pasuk referring to Shabbat is mentioning that among the things a person rests for on Shabbat is becharish uvekatsir. He does not perform any actions of plowing charish, nor actions of harvesting katsir. That is included in the rest. However, the commentators on this verse are obviously bothered. Why mention these two malachot? After we, after all, we know that there are 39 malachot on Shabbat. There are 39 acts, creative acts, from which we rest from on Shabbat. Why mention these two specifically? So a number of commentators explaining this simple understanding of the verse as it's referring only to Shabbat. Among them the Rashbam says, Stam avodah, avodat karka, becharishu vekatsir tishpot shehi chashuva utzricha lebriot, v'chol shekein shar malachot. Harisha and Ksira are two of the most elementary malachot necessary for survival in the field. If a person does not plow at the right time, even if they have rain, nothing will grow. If a person doesn't harvest what grows, it will become rotten, and he won't gain anything. The Ibn Ezra similarly says, these are ikar chaye adam. These are the most essential acts in the field. And therefore, what the Pasuk is trying to say, according to these understandings, is if from Harish and Ksira, these two all-important malachot, people rest, so certainly they must rest from other malachot as well. The Ibn Ezra goes one step further in his Perusha Katsar, and he says, imagine a field which is fully wet, rain has come in abundance, and a person goes out to plant, just to sprinkle the seeds, something so easy, it won't grow. The field, the, the area has to be prepared. That is the essence of Harisha. A number of other commentators go along these lines and explain how these psukim, these commentaries adequately explain the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael in the Gemara, who says that this verse is referring to Shabbat and only Shabbat. The al even goes so far as to explain why Shabbat here is presented in the midst of the three festive holy days, the Shalosh Regalim, from which people are supposed to go up to the Temple. Shabbat is mentioned after Pesach, and he explains so beautifully how the farmer is so connected to the time of his field. He understands that there's a time you have to plow, and there's a time that you have to harvest. And he understands if he messes up those times, all will be destroyed. Pesach, when the Jewish people experienced the Exodus, when there was Yitziat Mitzrayim, there was a new concept of time. 
Their time was not under the domain of a foreign body of the Egyptian slave, tasks, slave masters. But it was now time that was in their hands. And Shabbat handed the Jewish people the ability to understand and come into contact with what sanctified, qualitatively different time was all about. That's the reason for the mention of Shabbat. That is a simple understanding of the verse. However, one might ask a basic question. We mentioned that the first time that Shemitah appears in the Torah is in Parshat Mishpatim. Parshat Mishpatim is a description of the breed of the covenant that was brought along with the first giving of the tablets. This Parsha, Shemot Perek Lamedalid, is Parshat Kitisa. Parshat Kitisa has the description of the Cheda Egel, the golden calf, that terrible calamity which the Jewish people took part in and which transformed Jewish destiny forever. And after the golden calf, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reignites his relationship with the Jewish people. He tells Moshe Rabbeinu, which is the beginning of Periklam Adalit, and he essentially says, not only are you to make a second set of tablets, but I am going to recreate the Brit with you that was mentioned earlier. If one looks through Periklam Adalit and compares it to Periklam Gimel of Mishpatim, the first time Shemitah is mentioned, one will find that every single mitzvah which appears in Shemot Perek Chav Gimel and Parshat Mishpatim appears again in Shemot Perek Lametal. There is one mitzvah, though, that seems not to appear, and that is the mitzvah of Shemitah. The mitzvah of Shemitah appears explicitly in Perek Chav Gimel, where it says, Vashvi'i tishmetenu netashta. The Pasuk says that on the seventh year, you should do an act of Shemitah and an act of Netisha, two words which will explain in ensuing shiur. However, Shemot Perek nothing appears. In fact, we're seemingly stuck that we either have to explain why Shemitah would be absent, or possibly we'd have to understand this puzzle as referring to Shemitah. Rav Hirsch, in his commentary on the Torah in Shemot Perek so he goes with the opinion of Rabbi Yishmael, the opinion that most commentaries on the Torah have been working with, the simple understanding of the verse that this Pasuk is referring to Shmita, sorry, to Shabbat and not to Shemitah. He refers, says as follows. Above, at the conclusion of the fundamentals of social law, the mitzvot in Parshat Mishpatim, the mitzvot of Shabbat and Shvi'it are mentioned first. Because scripture wants to mention first the relation of the mitzvot to the principles of equality and brotherhood, on which all these laws are based. Shabbat and Shvi'id continuously proclaim that God is the sole owner of the land and of the universe. It follows naturally that all citizens and all people are equal before the law. But here, at the re-giving of the law, in Parshat Kitisa, the same concepts are mentioned, but primarily with regard to their contrast to heathenism. Here the point of departure is Yitziat Mitzrayim, the great act that demonstrates God's immediate nearness to man. And in this connection, Scripture also mentions the mitzvah of Shabbat. Refers continues that ceasing from work on Shabbat is indicative of the recognition that only through subordination to God can one truly become master of the world. The earth will submit only to that work of yours which is done in the service of God. By not working on Shabbat, you express the significance of your work as an act of homage to God. And the mention of Becharishu v'Katsir Tishpot is that you shall give expression to your homage and to your subservience 
to your world, of your entire world to God, even in the case of work on which your livelihood depends, even the Harishu Katsir. Based upon this understanding, Rav Hirsch explains, Shabbat is a fitting to be mentioned in Perek Lamidalit in Parsha Kitisa, but Shemitah is not. Whereas above, in connection with the Mishpatim, the mitzvah of Shemitah is given first place before the mitzvah of Shabbat and the festivals, here it is not mentioned at all, because Scripture emphasizes the relationship of the Jew to God, not the relationship of the Jewish state to God. This is how Rav Hirsch explains what we'll see in a moment is the opinion of Rabbi Yishmol in the Gemara. Shmot Perek Lamedalet only mentions Shemitah and does not mention Shabbat. However, there is another opinion, opinion which expo- appears in the Mishnah Mesechat Shvi'i, unattributed to any Tana, but in the Gemara, it appears as the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, and that's how Rashi explains his commentary on the Pasuk. Rashi quotes, Yesh Mirabotenu Omrim, Al Kharish shall Ereshvid Hanichnasashvid. The Katsir shall Shvid Hayotselim Otseshvid. This Pasuk says Rashi, based upon the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, is not only speaking about Shabbat. The beginning of the Pasuk, Sheshvid Yamim Tavot, Uvayomashvid Tishpot, that's speaking about Shabbat. However, the conclusion of the Pasuk is referring to that mitzvah that appears in Shmot Perik Chav Gimel, in Parsha Mishpatim, and at first glance doesn't appear here. The repetition, Becharish of the Katsir Tishpot, is coming to teach us not about Shabbat, from which 39 Malachot are forbidden, and therefore there's no reason to mention Charisha and Ksira specifically, but it's referring to Shemitah. And not only is it referring to Shemitah, but the essence of Shemitah, as we'll see in Parshat Bahar, is not planting. It's not connected to not plowing. So therefore, what is Becharishu Vekatsir Tishpot? Well, let's think about it for a moment. What is Charisha? Charisha is plowing. That's something that's done in advance of the planting. Tzira is harvesting. That's something which is done after all is harvested and after we have everything that we need. Based upon this, says Rabbi Akiva, this Pasuk is referring to Charish Shel Ereshvi, Vekatsir Shemotzei This verse is telling us that when it comes to the Shemitah year, it's not sufficient not only to work the land during Shnat HaShemitah, but a person cannot plow on the year prior to Shemitah as well. At what point? So we'll see the various opinions, but seemingly based upon the Gemara in Moed Katan, this is for a 30-day period, 30 days prior to Rosh Hashanah, plowing cannot be done. And rabbinically, this was extended for certain things all the way back to Pesach and for others all the way back to Shavuos. In fact, the opinion of the Ramah quoted in the Ritva is fascinating. He understands the entire verse, Sheshit Yamim Tavot. The entire verse is referring to Shemitah, not to Shabbat at all. The Yamim referred to in the verse are not referring to days, but he points out scriptural, scriptural parallels where Yamim refers to years. And therefore, this entire verse in Parsha Kitisa is actually referring to Shemitah. Why might that be? We saw the Rav Hirsch pointed out that although Shemitah appears in Parshat Mishpatim, in a complete parallel to everything in Parshat Kitisa, Shabbat does not, Shemitah does not appear 
in Parshat Kitisa. Only Shabbat. Because the essence of Parshat Kitisa is what man's connection to God, living a life the opposite of heathenism, the opposite of what Mitzrayim stood for. However, it could be for the exact reason that Rav Hirsch mentions why Shemitah does not appear. Rabbi Akiva understood that Shemitah does appear, and the Ramah went so far as saying that the entire verse is referring to Shemitah. Why might that be? If you look at Shmot Perik Lamedalit, it's speaking about the covenant of coming into the land of Israel. Pentichrod brit liosheva aretz. The Jewish people should not make a covenant with the nations of the world about the land of Israel. And it speaks about the three festivals which the Jewish people will go up to Yerushalayim. And imagine the fear. The Jewish people are going to go up, they're going to leave their homes. And anyone from the outside, any enemies of the Jewish people, will obviously come and invade. There will be no people to defend the houses. Everything will be left there. But the Pasuk says, When you come up for the Regal, you don't have to worry. No other people, no other nations will come and take your land. But what's The Pasuk could have said very simply that no other people will take your land. means that no one else will covet your land. They won't be interested in it. I heard a, once heard a very fascinating explanation on this from Rav Zev Lef, which I think will help us understand the Perak in general. Rav Lef explained that the Ibn Ezra and his Perush and the Aserda Dibro, and his commentary on the ten mitzvot that were given at Har Sinai initially, where one of them is Lotachmo, do not covet. The Ibn Ezra asked a basic question How could it be that we're told? But we're forbidden to cover, we're forbidden to want something of somebody else's. That's an emotional response to seeing something beautiful that somebody else has. How could it be that we're forbidden to do such a thing? How could the Torah control one's emotions? The Ibn Ezra says, the Torah is not asking one to control his emotions as much as it's asking an individual to control his outlook. And he gives the marshal the parable of the queen, the princess, the princess, the daughter of the king, the simple, the simple man doesn't covet the daughter of the king because he knows that she's out of his league. She's not connected to him and his way of life. Says the Ibn Ezra, that's supposed to be our outlook when it comes to other people's things. Anything connected to somebody else, it's not something we can get, we can acquire. It's not something we should even think of coveting. It's something which belongs to them. Says Rev Lef, based upon this Ibn Ezra, we can understand If the nations of the world see us being Olala they see that our living in Eretz Yisrael is connected to spirituality, that we're driven, we're willing to leave our things for more than a week, our houses and everything that grows in order to come to the Mikdash. So the nations of the world will realize the land of Israel is a spiritual land. It's a land for those who have a relationship with God. And they won't even come to covet it. With this in mind, Shmod Perik Lamidalid, it's good reason to assume that the entire Perik is teaching us how to live in the land of Israel. How to have a relationship with God in the land of Israel, a relationship will be so apparent to the nations of the world that they won't even covet. And therefore, 
is telling us how to live in the land with that attention towards spirituality that enables us to sanctify our whole existence on the land. For that reason, it's not even enough to mention the Shemitah year itself and not even enough to mention it explicitly. We have to inject the element of Shabbos, the connection to Sheshet Yamim Ta'avot, the description of working in the week in order to have the Shvita of Shabbat every week, we have to make that a part of us every seven years through Shemitah. But even more importantly, we have to take that experience with us. Becharish, before Shemitah, in the sixth year of plowing, Uvekatsir, in the seventh year, Tishpot. In next lesson, we're going to describe exactly what this mitzvah referred to as Tosefet Shvi'it, the addition onto the time of Shvi'it, what it calls for halachically from the Gemara, and what it also tells us about the need to have a spiritual existence in Eretz Yisrael. It's not enough to observe the mitzvot of Shemitah itself, but a person has to prepare in advance, just like Har Sinai. Have a good day.